0: Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvingdale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. It was common for those houses to have stairways. That went up the side of the house because the roof was not used just for protection from the elements, it was also kind of like a party pad, so to speak. And so, in the cool of the day, that was a place to go and hang out and, and have a glass of wine and just enjoy yourself and, and relax. So, they can't get even to the door, so up on the roof they go. And they began digging through the soil. They began removing some of these reeds and thistles and twigs and then, and then maybe scooting some of the timbers out of the way. And, and if you can imagine what it would have been like inside that house while this stuff's going on, I mean, it would be quite distracting, wouldn't it? I mean, you know those guys are up there talking to each other. They're grunting and groaning and sweating. And you know, as they're digging through all that stuff, the, the, the dust is falling down and everybody's hair color is changing because of the dirt, you know. But finally, with an opening made, they fastened ropes to the cot, and they literally lowered the man down in front of Jesus. Now, this brings me to truth point number one. I want you to take note of this. That when one is convinced of another's desperate need, that Jesus, and that Jesus is the only answer to that need... They will employ whatever means available to bring them to Jesus. Let me read that again. When one is convinced of another's desperate need and that Jesus is the only answer to that need, they will employ whatever means available to bring them to Jesus. But that brings me to something new, what I'm calling question point today. And the question that I ask based on the truth point is this, how convinced are we? that our unbelieving family and friends have a desperate spiritual need? How convinced are we of that? How convinced? And what, if any, means are we employing to bring them in contact with Jesus? I'd be happy just to see us start with the card and invite someone to come. I would like to see you go beyond that at some point, but if we could just get there, that would be an awesome victory. And what I'm about to say to you is something that, as I say it, you need to understand is an indictment toward me. <laughs> so uh, despite the fact that as I sat typing all this up and this, this, this statement came to my mind and I'm like, I don't want to say that because that is going to indict me, it's like, well, it doesn't matter if it indicts you or not. It's still true, so share it. So here I go. This is the way I believe it really, really it is. Too many professing believers prove they are unconvinced of others' desperate spiritual need by the fact that they do little to nothing to connect them with Jesus. Hey, I want to say this, that if we're doing nothing to try to attempt to connect some of the folks we know, who we know are not saved yet, if we're doing nothing to try to connect them with Jesus, then it must mean that we are unconvinced. We really don't believe they are desperate in need. Because if we did, we would at least do something. And I pray that God will convict our hearts. I pray that God will give us the gift of repentance so that we will engage in the mission of intentionally inviting and leading others to the Lord Jesus. Well, this man that we're talking about from the passage is now at Jesus' feet, and his need is apparent to everyone. He is a paralytic. He needs to be healed so that he can regain possibly the use of his arms, most definitely the use of his legs. And with that said, we need to look at what Jesus does. First, we find him acknowledging the faith of the men who moved heaven and earth to bring their compadre, that's the only word that came to my mind, uh, to Jesus. But second, I want you to see that without any regard to the man's physical state, Jesus addresses the man's spiritual state, and he says, man... Your sins are forgiven you. Now when he said that, I have to wonder what was going through the mind of the man laying on the cot. I also have to wonder what was going through the minds of the men who had moved heaven and earth to get their friend before Jesus. Because let's be honest, in this context, it wasn't sin they were concerned about. It was his paralysis that drove them. You know, it might be nice in that situation to have a rabbi stand over you and profess uh, profess uh, forgiveness of sin, but honestly, what good is that if the paralysis remains? And that leads me to truth point number two. Our default mode is to put our fleshly condition before our spiritual condition. That's usually how we think that is usually how we act we tend to believe that a good spiritual condition probably isn't that much good without a good physical condition and so we tend to focus on the physical i can tell you having attended over 40 years of prayer meetings in a variety of churches that hands down the number one request for prayer is for physical relief and rarely, if ever, for spiritual relief, which I think backs up my claim with this truth point. But my question to you is this today. Would it surprise you if I told you that Jesus' perspective is completely opposite from ours? Would that shock you? On another occasion, not this one, but on another time of ministry, we find Jesus saying something like this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? In other words, what does it profit a man if he has a great physical condition, but he loses his own soul in the the exchange he ends up with a very poor spiritual condition? Jesus has the complete opposite way of thinking. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. You know, Jesus had healed many people up to this point, And at least the ones that are recorded, I don't recall having seen any mention yet of spiritual condition. I mean, in these other instances, Jesus just takes care of their physical thing. This is the first time I'm really seeing him begin with this process of where the man is spiritually. And so I have to believe that because that is true, that that his mention here of the spiritual condition, that there's more at stake and there's more in play than just this one man's spiritual condition, although I believe Jesus was very interested in that. There was a bigger issue, and it would soon be revealed. And believe it or not, he would use the religious leaders who were there to check him out to help him bring it up going back to the forgiveness of sin issue Luke tells us that this visiting delegation experienced a strong and righteous reaction to Jesus's statement man your sins are forgiven you and they rightfully I said rightfully they rightfully reasoned who can forgive sins but God alone You know, we're tempted when we read these kind of passages to immediately fault these people for thinking this way. And most likely, um, I have to admit that if I were in their sandals and I was there present and I didn't fully understand who Jesus is, I would have the same reaction. Here's this guy... And he is claiming to have the ability to forgive sins. What right does Jesus of Nazareth, who obviously is just a man like the rest of us, what right does he have to forgive sins? Such a statement is truly blasphemous. And so I say that their reaction was strong, but it was righteous. Righteous. In the context. That leads me to truth point number three, because that's exactly the the point. If Jesus were just a man like us, then declaring sins forgiven would be blasphemy, right? But if he is God, then he's only acting according to his authority. Now it appears that their concerns that we see recorded here were not voiced in such a way that the folks around them were able to hear them or know it. I mean, perhaps they were whispering to one another. Perhaps they didn't even open their mouths. Perhaps they were simply thinking these things in their heart. So imagine the shock when Jesus poses two questions to them that directly relate to what they're thinking or secretly discussing. Jesus says to them first, why do you question in your hearts? So, you know, imagine that you're sitting there thinking something really negative about me. And you've, and you've just got this little grin on your face. And you, you, there's no outward sign that you're thinking anything negatively. And all of a sudden, I look at you and I point my finger and I say, Why are you thinking blank, blank, blank about me? Wouldn't that be a shock? How do you know that? How do you know that? I mean, here is this man, right? And he is he is... He's exposing the thoughts of my inner person. And then he goes to this second question, which is where we've been heading all along. He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk? Well, anybody with half a consciousness knows that the the answer to that question, right? It is much easier to pronounce your sins are forgiven you. Why is it so much easier? (laughs) Because whether your sins are forgiven or whether they're not is not open to public display. Who can say with authority whether they are forgiven or aren't forgiven? Because it's just not out there for everybody to be able to see it. But to say rise and walk, well, if nothing happens, then you know you have an imposter on your hands. But if a verifiable paralytic gets up, takes up his bed, and walks, well, then you must consider that the one making the statement is the real deal. And with that rationale hanging in the air in that that room where they were meeting, Jesus makes an astounding statement backed up by an astounding miracle. Having asked the question, he says, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now, if you or I would have said that to this man, he'd still be laying there 2,000 years later. Because we don't have the ability to do that. We don't have that kind of authority. But when the man who was verifiably paralyzed immediately, that's what it says in the passage, immediately rose up, picked up his bed, and headed out the door, there could be only one conclusion. Jesus is God because He has authority to heal and to forgive sin. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission.